It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 708 and 74 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do or whatever you want to avoid doing this weekend. If you need practical advice on whether you should or shouldn't, or whether you can do it this morning before it gets hot this afternoon, or how to, why to, what to, 404-872-0750. If you need organic advice, I'm happy to give it. If you need synthetic insecticide and pesticide advice, I'm happy to give that as well. You make the choice as long as you read and follow the label instructions. Steve, Steve Steve's in Canton, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Steve, good morning. Good morning, Walter. What's up? Good question for you. Okay. Sir, I've always planted uh, buckwheat as a soil builder. Mm-hmm. And I recently found out about a, a seed called sun hemp. Oh, yeah. It's supposed to be just fantastic and wanted to call and ask if, uh, if you do anything about it and recommendations for it. It grows like crazy. I mean, that's the thing that you need to know about it. Sun hemp, it's a crotillaria, crotillaria. And they use it down in South Georgia, Florida, a lot of places, but it's a summer cover crop is what it's called. And so it'll die in the wintertime. So if you're thinking about wintertime use, then forget about that. But if you have a field that somehow you're doing cool season crops, broccoli and cabbage and things like that, you need something to just to build the soil in the summertime, people plant sun hemp. And it grows like a foot a day, it seems, until it gets about five or six <laughs> feet tall. And it's so thick that it shades the ground. And it fixes nitrogen out of the air into a form of fertilizer that plants can use. And it has nice deep roots that open up the soil. And so, yeah, crotillaria, sun hemp, S-U-N-N-H-E-M-P, sun hemp. Well, could I go ahead and plant it now and, and then go ahead and turn it in for my fall planting? Nah, it's too hot. It too really hot. ought to be planted back in April sometime. Okay. Yeah, but look for seed. I mean, you can find seed at some places around. It's not all that common, seems to me, in Georgia. Um, a place that always seems to have weird seed. <laughs> I don't mean weird in the weird sense, but they just have roadside mixtures and you know buckwheat by the hundred pounds and things like that. Is Adams Briscoe seed down in Jackson, Georgia? I know it's not a place you're going to drive to, but they can mail packages of seed up to you if you don't need more than you know five or ten pounds. And so Adams Briscoe seed in Jackson, Georgia, would be the first place to call to see if they have any uh, sun hemp seed. Well, that tells me what I need to know. Thank you, sir. This is all I have to do for you, Steve. Tell you what yes, you sir. need to know. <laughs> right. We'll see you, man. 11 minutes past the hour. Whose turn is it next? Richard. Richard's up in Kennesaw and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Richard, good morning. Good morning, Walter. What you got? I've got some critter eating my vegetables, uh, fruit, tomatoes, peppers, um, and... I don't know. I, I, I know I got a rabbit over in the side yard, but I don't know if they would be gnawing on those or not. You know, when Walt Disney, or I don't know who it was, Hanna-Barbera or whoever it was that made Chip and Dale to be the cute little furry heroes of their cartoons, they didn't say anything in those cartoons that chipmunks eat tomatoes and peppers and beans and everything else in your landscape, and you never 
really see them doing much of anything. But when you come out your back door and you hear the little squeak, squeak, squeak of chipmunks, <laughs> that little chipmunk has just eaten your tomato or your pepper, and they're going back in the in the woods in the underbrush to enjoy it. That's, so you think I got chipmunks? Okay. I can just about guarantee it. I do. Right. If I do, you do. And, yeah, you're uh, probably right. So what I do for my little chipmunks is I have a just a all expenses paid free vacation that I offer my chipmunks in my landscape, and they go on a little trip about two miles away, and I release them at a playground, and hopefully they'll find enough candy wrappers to make themselves happy and not eat my tomatoes anymore. And how do you go about trapping them? I have a live trap. Uh, what, peanut butter? You know, I'll use sunflower seed. I could use a tomato probably, but I don't want to waste <laughs> yeah, my tomatoes in there. <laughs> <laughs> I use sunflower seed in mine, and uh, for chipmunks, they have to the the cage trap needs to be small mesh wire. Make it about half or three quarters of an inch wide for the mesh on the trap. So look for the traps that are smaller rather than larger, because if you have larger wire mesh, they'll they'll come out through it. They can get through the holes. About half inch, you said. Yep. Half inch yeah. works fine, and check it every day. Check it in the morning. Uh, my I seem always to have one by nine, ten o'clock, and you certainly don't want to leave them in that trap during the heat of the day where they would yeah. suffer. Yeah. Okay, that's very helpful. All right, Richard. But good I luck with have it. trouble with rabbits or deer, right? I doubt it's rabbits or deer. I'll just bet you a nickel it's chipmunks that did it. Chip and Dale, or Dale All and right. Chip, one of them. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. Thanks for calling. It's Thirteen minutes past the hour. And Pam's up in Dahlonega and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Pam, good morning. Good morning, sir. Um, I have a yard. <clears throat> I have lived here for 31 years. Wow. That <clears throat> it, there's a 20 by 20 square, probably, that I cannot get grass to continue to grow. Oh. I have taken soil samples to the um, extension agent did it this past year, and they said all we needed was fertilizer on it. I've mm -hmm. uh, done that several times, um, and they would tell us various things that the soil was lacking. I've tried numerous types of um, seed. I just cannot get the grass to grow. Boy, it sure does sound like it, the soil might be sort of hard there, Pam, That because you've done everything you need to do for fertility and nutrients for the for the grass seed, but if the soil is hard and the grass just never does quite get a good root system on it, that would explain a lot, I guess. Yeah, I, we even put in topsoil. We even brought in topsoil mm. um, and added it, actually tilled it into the soil. Um, and um, just, I didn't know if there's a certain type of seed maybe I should go with. What kind something, of, try something. What kind of grass seed were you, did we try mm. so far? The um, Kentucky 31 okay. fescue. Okay. Um, we actually bought zoya plugs one time. Yeah, sure, sure. That didn't that didn't that didn't work. <laughs> um, um, how much how much had, sun does it get then, Pam? How much sunshine are we getting? Well, there? The, the, half of it gets a lot of sun. The other half is half shaded. Hmm. It goes right. right in between my uh, sidewalk. Uh, if you, we have a concrete sidewalk that goes up to the front of our house. The left-hand side has a, has some shade mm. from a big maple tree. The right hand doesn't have as much shade. All right, let me tell you what I would do. I would use what? fescue, and instead of using Kentucky 31, I would get one of the improved blends is the name. They have this Rebel Supreme, and there's a Pike blend at Pike Nursery, and they're different blends of fescue seed, but not Kentucky 31. Get a blend. Okay. 
Number two, plant it in mid to late September when the rains have finally come and the soil is sort of damp. And don't let it dry out. If it gets dry in October, you cannot let fescue seed dry out much at all or they'll all die. So you want to plant in mid to late September. Don't let it dry out. Use one of the blends. And I feel like that that is the whole problem right there. It's just hard soil, and that is going to be taken care of by doing it later in the year and maybe doing a little tilling before you plant the seed just to be sure it's nice and soft and six inches or so of soft soil, and that should be fine for fescue to grow in, in sun and shade. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. I'm going to help you make Delonica a better place, Pam. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you. Thanks for calling. All right. Bye-bye. It's 717 on a Saturday morning. Don't forget, if you don't get your question answered or if you're too shy to call me on the phone, you can always go to my website, WalterReeves.com. You can sign up for my Facebook posts, and I post two or three or four interesting, useful, hopefully, things every week. You can follow me on Twitter, at Walter Reeves. You can even look at my Pinterest page. I have nothing but pictures of weeds there. And a little bit later this morning, we'll have the weed of the week. Ashley Frasca will tell us another place you can see pictures of weeds, and we have a new one that just about everybody with a shady landscape has. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Right now at 717, we'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. Brother Jimmy Hendricks waking everybody up at Woodstock. Time for a weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. No question, summer has arrived. Summer is here. Summer is here this weekend. Expect highs this afternoon to reach the mid-90s. Sunny skies, 20% chance of stray shower this afternoon. And tonight, clear skies, clear skies remain metro area with overnight lows dropping down into the mid-70s. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. We got James and Monroe joining us. James, hey, good morning. Hey, good morning. What's hey, like we just had an in-ground poo put in, and our Bermuda side from where all the trucks had come and gone uh, has really thinned out our Bermuda. I was wondering, is it okay to overseed that area now with sand, and what are my chances of it even growing in the summer? Mm, it's great to grow as long as you can water. Can you water? Yes, sir. Water if you can water, the soil is hot, the soil is warm, you got a lot of sunshine there by the pool, and sure, as long as you do not let those seedlings dry out, you're fine. Okay. So the secret is just to keep it uh, wet. Moist, Moist is the word I would prefer. You well, don't want we've it had soggy. a lot of sod uh, installed in the backyard also from where we had to clear the yeah. land. Yeah. But well, I'm trying to, you know, like a overseed that where where, it come, where the old needs to new, yeah. and in the front yard where the trucks were coming and going. I give you, like I give you a hint, James, that will help a lot, and that is when you scatter the seed, and you you mentioned sort of putting sand with it to help it be delivered evenly over the area. But one of the things that will really help a lot is rent a roller, get one of those big roller things you fill full of water, you can rent them for ten bucks a day and roll it right after you put the seed down because that will push the seed down into the soil. Maybe have the soil slightly moist before you scatter the seed anyway. Scatter the seed, roll it down so it mashes it real good into the soil. Immediately water just enough to keep the top quarter inch, maybe half inch of soil moist but not soggy. 
Soggy, okay. no moist, yes. So okay. that's what you're looking for. Should I throw down like a little topsoil on it too? Would that help? Yeah, if you can do it. If it's not that not too big of an area, a little topsoil over the top to sort of keep this keep the soil moist and the seeds in there moist as well. Sure, great idea. And it wouldn't okay. hurt my feelings, yeah. James, for a little bit of uh, starter fertilizer as well. That'd okay. be fine. Okay, sounds good. Hey, can I ask you a question? Did your dad used to work at Kmart back in the 70s? He did not. <laughs> okay. I remember sure Reeves. Uh, no. I didn't know if y'all were related. Or, uh, no, my dad work. was a Farm Bureau insurance agent for 20, 30 years, I guess, in Fayette County, but never okay. a Kmart. Never I think Kmart. he was Ben Reeves. <laughs> yeah, all right. I'm sure he was a very nice guy. Hi, thanks for the expert advice. I enjoy listening to your show. Thank you, sir. Okay. All of us Reeveses are nice people, very nice people, but my dad, not here, and... Coach Reeves, the football coach, not any kin to him. Steve Reeves, or Tarzan, maybe we'll claim, we'll claim Steve, but, well, maybe, maybe not on Steve Reeves. By the way, one of the things I'll talk about in the next half hour, actually, let's talk about Weed, weed of the Week in the next half hour. What about that? 7.35 this morning, we'll talk Weed of the Week, and Ashley Frasco will bring us the weed that she found in her landscape. And as I said earlier, this is one of those weeds that everybody who has any shade in their landscape is going to recognize because it is so common when you have a shady landscape. It's a grass Yes, you know what it is. I know you do, because you've been out in the backyard and thought, what is this stuff? It's everywhere, and I can pull it up by the handfuls out of the ground, and it still comes back every year. What am I going to do to get rid of this stuff? All right, well, Ashley's going to talk about that for during our Weed of the Week segment in the next half hour. I mentioned earlier that if you go to my website, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter. Don't forget, too, that you can sign up for our newsletter. It comes out every two weeks. It has lots of interesting information and lots of pictures. All we need is your zip code and your email address, and every two weeks you get a free newsletter about gardening in Atlanta. It's 727 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 736, 75 degrees outside. It's hot this weekend, but you can get your gardening done this morning and... Pike Nursery is going to have a nice sale on. Mickey Gasway will be with us at 8.35 this morning to talk about what Pike Pick will be for the weekend, what the Pike Pick will be. Ashley Frasca is with us right now to determine what is the weed of the week. This is not something you want to cultivate in your garden and something, nothing that Pike Nursery would have on sale, but they do have the control for this weed. What did you find in your landscape, Ashley? You're right. You never want to pick one. They just kind of pick you, don't they? <laughs> you want to pick them out of the ground, pull them up, I guess. Which I love to do. I mean, for all of these weeds that we've got in the photo album, manual rem removal to me is almost cathartic. I mean, I, I just don't mind it. But uh, this week I saw basket grass, or you called it stilt grass as well, mm. in one of my shady garden beds. And it's one of those that's easy to pull. You can pull that stuff all day long, and you'll still have it next year You're because it drops seeds, just germinates like crazy in the spring. But basket grass is one of those things that I think anybody who has any shade in their landscape is going to have some little bit of this basket grass. How would you describe it? Well, it's, it's a pretty weed if there is such a thing. It's got long, green, blady 
leaves and the stem is kind of a thick green stem now i had let some of mine go way too long so Mm -hmm. it was maybe about a foot or two tall with a little wispy bloom at the top but if you get it before that point it doesn't have that bloom on the top but just long and leggy kind of and the thing i noticed that made it unique was the base of the leaf wraps around the stem almost in a Ah, cup kind of rolled form and that was really neat to watch the leaves grow that way yeah so the way that I have controlled it very nicely in a couple of situations is using a pre-emergent. Remember we talk about pre-emergents in the spring. Pre-emergents will control stilt grass, basket grass very nicely. Pulling it during the summertime, if you need to spray it with Roundup, I guess you could do that. But pulling it, like you say, it feels good. You get a lot of it and you can clear out an area. And generally it doesn't re-germinate after the middle of the summer. So if you get it all pulled up right now, you won't see much of it between now and next spring unless you put a pre-emergent out. Well, and there's so many spring weeds that we started this off months ago that, yes, have wilted and died away. So if you leave it long enough, it just kind of goes away. So you got pictures? Yes. If folks go to WSBRadio.com and they find your page, the Walter Reeves page, they'll be able to see this photo album as well as others that are associated with the show. And while you're there, don't forget that we have a podcast. Every show is recorded and then it's available for you to download and listen to throughout the week. If you missed the show on Saturday mornings, you can always go back and listen to the podcast. The previous week is usually up by Monday or Tuesday, maybe. And so you can find that, too, at Walter Reeves uh, there at the WSB.com, WSBRadio.com website. Yeah, and even if they just put Walter Reeves in the search bar or Weed of the Week, they'll be able to get to your page. Easy enough. Thanks, Ashley. The Weed of the Week, stilt grass, basket grass. Lots of people have it. Jane's out in Smyrna, and Jane joins us on Lawn and Garden. Jane, good morning. Hey. Hi, Walter. Um, Well, I think I have a wilt disease on my little bird garden sage. It's a... It's a culinary and an ornamental sage. It's it's compact, grows about sixteen to eighteen inches tall, and um, um, so I, I don't have a computer anymore. So I've been looking up a couple of books that I have, mm-hmm. and uh, so I'm confused about after I solarize. Um, one says wait three years. Yeah. Uh, one says oh, after you've solarized six or eight weeks, you're ready to replant. But does it depend on the type wilt that it is? Some do, but your inclination is right. Most wilts take a long time to disappear out of the soil. But I have a solution that works fine for me, and that's to put a pot and grow your sage in a pot. Why not do that? Oh, yes, that would be wonderful. What size would I need for that size plant? 18 inches. 18 inches. Nice 18-inch pot and put some potting soil in there and put the sage plants in there in the spring, and boom, you're going to have sage all summer long. (laughs) Well, that's an easy solution, yeah. and that, uh, that makes me happy. Yeah, and solarizing, like I say, is, it's effective, but it takes a long time. Three years, probably, of oh, solarization every summer to heat up the soil and kill uh-huh. the kill the wilt fungus that's there. But the pot, you can do that tomorrow. And I can put the pot in that space? Yeah, sure. No problem. Okay. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you. Thanks for calling, Jane. <laughs> Bye. Let's go to, let's see here, Ed is in Johns Creek. Hey, Ed, good morning. Good morning, Walter. What you got? Uh, also, I have a Japanese maple that's probably about 12 or 15 years old, and when we moved into our home uh, 11 years ago, it was like 95% or almost 100% totally red. Over the years, it's turned uh, about now about 80% green. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about 7 feet tall, 7 feet wide, has a 4 or 5-inch base. Three limbs go out, all about three inches each, and the bottom limb is the only thing that's left red right now. And I'm wondering wow. if there's anything I can do about this. 
Hmm. Boy, at this point, Ed, no. I <laughs> think you're going to have a green okay. Japanese maple. There are two, two reasons, Ed, that Japanese maples, who are, which you selected originally, it was purple or red, one of the real colorful ones, and there's two reasons for them to turn green. One is your situation where it has sported, and sported just means a genetic mutation back to its parentage and probably... A hundred years ago, somebody had a green Japanese maple and it had a red limb on it. They thought, wow, let's make cuttings and, and propagate this. And they propagated it, and that was fine. And you bought one, and a lot of people, other people bought one too. And they were red until one day one of the genes at the bud, the leaf bud, said, you know, my daddy was green. I think I'm going to turn back green like I used to be a hundred years ago. And eventually, those, li those limbs are a little more vigorous than the red limbs. And so they take over. And that's I think happened in your particular case. The other thing that a lot of people with the red Japanese maples notice, Ed, is that as the summer goes on, the whole plant will turn more of a muddy, purpley green, and sometimes by ooh, August or September, it'll be mostly green. And then as soon as the temperatures cool down at night, as soon as night temperatures are in the 70s and below, it'll start reddening back up until it reddens up completely in October. So that is... For other Japanese maple owners, not you, who just have the sort of greening of the whole plant, for you, I think it's sporting. That's what went on. Mm -hmm. you, are you saying it's sporting? S-P-O-R-T-I-N-G? That's just uh, those technical words that, okay. <laughs> that horticulturists <laughs> use. You sport. It sports back to okay, uh, what its it. parentage was. Got it. Okay. All right. So I, got, I need to make green my favorite color then. I, I get think you do. Things. I think that's the way it's going to be. Ed. It's not going to be turned right, back buddy. yet, I don't think. Appreciate all you do for us. You bet. Thanks for calling, Ed. Okay, 404-872-0750 gets you in to take Ed's place. And I had to make a really hard decision earlier this week. I had to make a really hard decision on Wednesday because I talked to the tour company that I work with out in Seattle to organize the tours that we take to Cuba in October. And they said, Walter, we got real problems. And I said, what's the problem? And they said, Havana basically looks like Walmart on Black Friday. It is full of people right now, and the hotels are not guaranteeing rooms and are doing all sorts of switcheroos. In other words, you may come down with your 20 people, and the hotel says, we only have room for 15 people, and so we're going to put five of them at a different hotel, which might not be as good as the first hotel. And then if you protest, they say, well, you just can't be here at all. We'll kick all of you out of the hotel. And the guides, they said, are just overworked right now. You can't get guides that are very good, very experienced, like we usually have. Restaurants are full to the brim and sometimes can't take as many people as you have in a group. And so we finally made the decision we're going to pull the plug on the trip to Cuba this year because we just can't get down there and not be able to guarantee a good, reliable experience. And then I saw Clark Howard had his uh, travel newsletter later in the week, and he had an advertisement for American Airlines that was offering plane tickets from Miami to Havana for 250 I think, dollars. And I thought, as soon as I saw that, I thought, boy, we have made the correct decision because there's no way in this world that Havana is not going to be just overrun with tourists in October when we planned to go. And I saw that Starwood Hotels has uh, taken over one of the great big hotels in Havana and is starting to manage it and is renovating it. And they're offering rooms in Havana right now for like 200 or a little bit less per night. So if you can get to 
Havana from Miami for 250 and get a hotel room for 200 a night, even though you still technically have to fill out the State Department form that says you're doing the people-to-people uh, -people exchange with the folks in Havana and the Cuban national folks, still there's going to be a lot more people there than the tourist industry can really deal with and hold. And until we can really guarantee that we're going to have a nice tour, we know where we're going to stay, we know the quality of the rooms, the quality of the food, the quality of the guide, the quality of transportation and everything else, until we can guarantee that, sad to say, we're not going to go back to Cuba. So that's the way we have decided to do it. And uh, I'm sad a little bit because we've been there four times already, and I really enjoy taking people to Havana, taking them all over the island and showing them different things about the history and the gardens and the culture and the music and everything else about Cuba. But until we can make it a good trip, we're not going to make the trip at all. Real quickly, let's get Todd in here. Todd's up in Buford, Georgia, and Todd joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Todd, good morning. Morning. What can I do for you, Todd? I had a question. It's on my mind. I know I've got a couple months, but uh, I got a couple of Confederate rose bushes, and I was given to them. They were given to me by a friend. And I know they get trimmed in the fall, but yeah. I tried to trim them last fall, and, and, you know, they grow in a bucket of water. Sure. But I couldn't get what I trimmed off to grow. And so I was just curious, you know, somebody told me you got it's a proper time, and there's a certain way the water needs to be, whether it needs to be in sunlight, you know, make sure it's cool or hot. Is, is there anything yeah. specific with I that? Think, I think the thing that is most important is that the growth that you try to root over the wintertime in water not be the green growth that we have some maturity to it is the best way to describe it. So look on the stems and you'll see there's the, the green part that's grown in the last month or so, and then below that there's sort of a grayish, more mature-looking bark. It's yeah. only the mature stuff that'll root. And so okay. when you do your cutting in the fall to root the stuff in buckets of water in the wintertime, you cut off the green stuff at the top of, the, of the, each stem, cut that off, and then cut the rest of the brown mature stem or gray mature stem into 12, 14-inch long cuttings and put those in water. But that's really the only thing I think that you need to take care of uh, a little bit differently. The water, changing the water, it's not necessarily root in a bucket, just like, just like they always will if you have mature stems. Okay. All right. Thank you. Nothing to it, Todd. Thanks so much for calling. It's 748. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. You do have some options for gardening today. They are get out and get it done before noon or stay inside this afternoon because it's going to be warm this afternoon, 94 degrees in the mid-afternoon, and then uh, not much chance of a shower through the night in mid-70s down here on Earth. Stay tuned. Atlanta's most accurate and dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And actually, we've got time to do the weekend prize pack right now. All right, you think of a number between 2 and 7. To determine who's going to win, a pair of tickets to see Brantley Gilbert in concert August 26th at Lakewood Amphitheater, produced by Live Nation. Plus, and this is cool, a pair of tickets to the Laid Back Festival featuring Greg Allman and ZZ Top, the most getting-it-on band in America, October 29th at Lakewood Amphitheater, also produced by Live Nation. Who gets to see these great concerts? To coincide with it being July 2nd, 
Caller two. Caller number two. Get it done. 404 and dial quickly and accurately right now. Jerry in Rome, Georgia, joins us. Hey, Jerry. Good morning. Hey, how are you? Hey, Jerry. I'm great. How can I help? It's actually Alex. Oh, Alex. Sorry. Hey, Alex. Oh, okay. for, all right, well, Alex, you know what? I pushed the wrong button. Let me put you back on hold because I need to talk to Jerry first because I want to take some time with you and talk about organic pesticides for the garden. How about that, Alex? Sure thing. All right, hold tight. Let's go instead to uh, Jerry. There's Jerry. Hey, Jerry. Good morning. Hello. Hey, Jerry. Jerry. Walker. Yeah. Hey, Jerry. Hey, I've got a question about my corn. I've got, I planted peaches and cream corn. Yeah. Two different plots probably six feet by 15 foot long short rows okay i harvested one plot yesterday i got one year off each plant my second plot is just starting to make silt and it's, the plants have three to five looks like it's going to make three to five ears on each stalk nice what is going on with that <laughs> Why are you complaining about success, Jerry? That's the problem. All I've read about the peaches and cream, it says one to two years. Yeah. But, uh, most of these have three to five. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say that you did anything other than you know good, clean living. That's probably it right there. <laughs> so you think I should just leave them on it and, and see what happens? Yeah, um, water and fertilize. Make sure they're nice, healthy stalks, and don't if this, if the tips of the leaves start turning brown and wilty, uh, you maybe need to take off the lowest one of the ears because that's the one that's sapping most of the energy from the plant. But if you've got ears and they seem to be developing normally, hey, wait and harvest them when they're nice and tender, and have some nice boiled corn. I'll see what happens. All right, thanks a lot. Nothing to it. Thanks for calling, Jerry. One of the other things about growing corn is that many times you'll see at the base of the plant there'll be little suckers that grow at the base. Uh, you'll have a, a straight stem of corn, it'll be two, maybe three feet tall, and all of a sudden these little suckers will grow around the base of the plant, and they should be removed. If you have a pair of scissors, a little clipper, go out there and clip those suckers away because they'll sap energy from the development of the main stalk of the corn plant. It's one of those things you just get to know and get to know about when you grow corn. And the other one is to grow it in blocks. And Jerry made a real good point there. He said it had little short rows and grew it in a block. And that's the way to grow corn. It is air pollinated. And so you have to put all the corn plants in a block together so the pollen can be transferred back and forth between the plants. If you have one long row of corn, a lot of times you won't get pollination. And so you don't get any corn from a long row, but you get a lot of corn from planting in little blocks. And Jerry also said he successively planted. He had one plot that was uh, some weeks ago that he planted. Then he planted two weeks later another plot. And so he's going to have corn for the summertime. And he got lucky and got a lot of ears of corn on his second crop. It's 7.58. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden right after news. Oh, yeah. 